Hi, welcome to Group 2's podcast for Public Health 3100. My name's Irvin Tran. I'm Mina Pham. I'm Taylor Dodd. And I'm Nick Hatch. Our topic today is going to be on the opioid crisis in the rural Appalachia region of the United States. Before we dive into the issue, however, it's important to first understand what exactly the opioid crisis is in the region that it mainly affects. So to start off, what is an opioid? According to WebMD, opioids are a type of narcotic pain medication that include oxycodone, morphine, fentanyl, and hydrocodone. They work by blocking opioid receptors in your brain and other parts of your body, basically telling you that you're not in pain. Many opioid users gradually develop a tolerance to the drug, and they may find themselves having to take more and more of it to feel the same pain relief that they did initially. This can eventually develop into a serious addiction, which can lead to negative consequences in the user's lives, including death. According to the Health Resources and Service Administration, more than 6 out of 10 drug overdose deaths in 2014 were opioid-related. The opioid crisis is a threat to our society. A documentary called Saving Boone County, Fighting for Lives in a Place Ravaged by Opioids showcases the real struggles of being addicted to opioids and the effects. Three women in the video talk about how their addiction escalated and ended up controlling their lives. Mallory Sutphin tried all sorts of pain pills chasing a high. I was a weekend warrior, as a lot of people say. It's something that I couldn't control. I didn't know how to control. I just knew that my body needed that pill and that feeling that it gave me to even go through the day. I used to be that person. People would see me come and it's just like, oh, well, there she comes. Carrie Dolan told us she started out on pain pills, switched to meth, and then heroin. You know, I was that needle junkie, or I was that thief, or look at her strung out. Rachel Waters, she tried coke, meth, and acid. Opiates is what ruined my life. By the time I was 19, 20, I was an addict already. As you can see, the opioid crisis has devastating effects on its victims on the individual level. Now we'll look at how it affects not only the individual, but also the economy and other related factors. Let's delve into the opioid crisis in rural Appalachia and how it came to be. There's factors of all kinds contributing to the opioid crisis in this region, ranging from economic to political to social. Let's start with the economic side of things. Poverty rates in Appalachia have steadily been rising over the past few decades. For example, in the 80s, it was around 14% and has risen to 18% in uh, 2010. Much of this has been to, due to economic exploitation of rural Appalachia's natural resources like coal. Many plants and coal mines have shut down, leaving a huge number of the population impoverished and with no other job opportunities in sight. These job losses and poverty have led many formerly productive individuals to become anxious and depressed due to losing hope of finding a job and getting out of their current situation. Many turn to opioids to self-medicate. Now another issue in rural Appalachia that contributes to this crisis is the presence of barriers to proper treatment. Reports have found that large rural areas have a greater shortage of mental health providers and facilities that provide treatment for things like substance abuse. Finally, on the healthcare side of things, the biggest issue is overprescription of opioids by doctors. Because of insurance companies generally reimburse doctors more for opioids, doctors are more incentivized to prescribe them to patients dealing with pain. From interviewing groups of patients in the Appalachian region, despite efforts to remove pill mills, everyone still knows which doctors are willing to prescribe and which ones to go to if you need a refill. Even after the prescribing stops, it's 
too, usually too late and the patient is already deep into the cycle of addiction. As part of our mission to understand the ins and outs of the healthcare side of the opioid crisis, we decided to interview a healthcare professional who has seen and experienced its effects firsthand. One of our members' older sister, Kathy Tran, is a retail pharmacist who interacts with these sorts of patients on a daily basis and is responsible for providing them their drugs, including opioids. She is currently overseas, so an in-person interview unfortunately wasn't an option, but she was able to answer interview questions over text. Uh, one of our members, Nick, will be reading her responses on her behalf. So first question, how long have you been a pharmacist for and where have you worked? Well, I've been a retail pharmacist for five years. I worked at Kroger, CVS, and currently at Target as a manager. I also work part-time at an independent pharmacy in Atlanta. During pharmacy school, I did my hospital rotations at the Medical College of Georgia. Okay, so tell me about any experiences you've had in your career that have related to the opioid crisis, and please go into much detail as you can. So, in my first year as a pharmacist, I had two patients die from overdosing on oxycodone. One of them was the daughter of an elderly woman who wasn't able to come pick up her oxycodone in person, so her daughter actually picked it up for her. Uh, however, it turns out that the daughter was abusing it behind her mother's back. She ended up overdosing and dying. My other patient was an older man who was prescribed a long-term treatment for hydrocodone. He eventually developed a serious addiction and died from an overdose as well. That's very sad. In your opinion, what are the biggest factors contributing to the opioid crisis today? Honestly, doctors who overprescribe and don't have the patient's best interest in mind. During my rotations, I worked with a doctor from a pain management facility who would exclusively prescribe opioids to his patients in order to get large reimbursements from insurance companies. He clearly was taking advantage of his patients, whom he knew were abusing opioids. He became very well known for his unethical practices, so there were many pharmacies that wouldn't accept his prescriptions, including mine. I believe that doctors like this are a big part of the problem. I see. So what laws and regulations are currently in place that aim to limit the harms of the opioid crisis? And what do you think that you as a pharmacist can do to help reduce these harms? Georgia has actually recently passed a new law that limits prescribed opioids for acute therapy to a seven-day supply. Before this regulation was put into place, opioids were commonly prescribed anywhere from 30 to 90-day supplies. As a pharmacist, I believe that the best thing I can do is to assess my patient's pain and medication history and whether or not their prescriptions are correct. From this, I can also deduce if the patient has been abusing opioids and take an appropriate course of action. Now, what about the possibility of over-preventing opioid access? Could laws and regulations that limit opioid prescriptions actually have harmful effects? And just how important are opioids to patients who do suffer from pain? I believe over-prevention can be an issue. Opioids are extremely important to some patients, especially ones who suffer from chronic pain and illness. These patients generally know the side effects and risks of opioid use, and they decided that they outweigh the pain that they'd suffer otherwise. Some examples are cancer patients or patients who have suffered some sort of traumatic. That's very interesting. Uh, so final question, Kathy. What steps do you think need to be taken to combat the opioid crisis? And what are some potential alternatives to opioids for people suffering from pain? So I think Georgia's new seven-day limit on opioids is a great start. It helps create a hard stop on people who are trying to obtain opioids for misuse. As for alternatives, I believe a more holistic approach to treatment would be beneficial. Things like physical therapy and chiropractic work can treat neuropathic pain, which opioids don't. I think aiming to find the root cause of the patient's pain and eliminating it is a better long-term solution than just masking it with opioid use. Right. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for the interview. We no appreciate problem. it.
As our pharmacist stated, the impacts that opioids have on individual patients are dangerous and often fatal. To reiterate what we said at the beginning, there are almost 30,000 opioid-related deaths each year, but the mortalities aren't the only consequences of the opioid crisis. They definitely aren't. Children who are related to opioid addicts also face their share of consequences. State welfare systems have seen an increase in families coming to them concerned about their ability to safely parent due to their substance abuse problems. Other studies have also found that rates of child abuse, neglect, and maltreatment are almost twice as high in rural areas compared to urban ones. Now, I'm sure after hearing all of that, many of y'all are wondering, if there's all of these negative impacts of the opioid crisis, why isn't much being done? The truth is, a lot is being done, but there are some serious challenges that we face when trying to address this crisis in rural Appalachia. These challenges are mainly the result of socioeconomic, cultural, political, and drug-related obstacles that are present in the region. Let's get into some specifics. Many of the challenges in this region are socioeconomic in nature. A notable social problem is that the distance to the nearest hospital is massive in comparison to other parts of the country. This means they need to drive longer distances to get to the nearest hospital, pharmacy, and clinic, which increases both the probability of overprescription, as the patient may go into a longer time without seeing the pharmacist, and it increases the likelihood of an opioid-related fatality due to the increased response time resulting from this distance. Doesn't this additional distance mean that the patient will be less likely to see their doctor? Exactly. Because there's less communication between the doctor and their patient, the doctor has less of a chance to recognize the early signs of opioid addiction and intervene. Another big socioeconomic issue in this region would be a lack of education, which results in many more high-risk, low-paying jobs such as coal mining and logging. Because of these high-risk jobs, more injuries are likely to be experienced, and more opioids are likely to be prescribed. Because of this, it's no wonder that data shows coal miners face some of the highest rates of abuse, abuse in this region. The high opioid abuse rates in this region aren't the only result of problems within the region, though. One of the main factors for the overprescription of opioids is the pharmaceutical industry, coming specifically from Purdue Pharma, the leading distributor of oxycodone. Because this pharmaceutical company makes more profits, the, the more pills they sell. They lied about the addictive properties of the pill, saying at one point that it is extremely difficult to get addicted to. They then spent years advertising this medication to doctors, even after the death rate from addiction began to increase. Only recently has the majority of the public become aware of this fact, and how to deal with this prescription company has been a big debate topic in the Democratic primaries of 2020. Well, it's no wonder so many people are winding up addicted to this type of medication. It seems like this was bound to affect this region especially hard, considering the background of the region, of course it's going to be harder to combat there as well. Exactly. We have to keep in mind, though, that we can't take away these medications. They do provide significant pain relief to a lot of people, and if you're addicted to opioids, serious complications and even death can result from going cold turkey. Another challenge is that opioid users are more likely to, become, to begin using other illicit, highly dangerous drugs such as black tar heroin, especially if their prescription is refused due to their addiction. Now that puts us in a predicament then. Either you take these medications and risk death, or you stop taking them and you risk death. What the heck are they even supposed to do? Well, I'm really glad you asked, Taylor. There are many barriers that stand in the way of finding a solution to the opioid epidemic. People in the Appalachia area have little education, high unemployment, and 
Many have job-related injuries due to the demand of their physical jobs. The Coalition on Appalachian Substance Abuse Prevention was created in 2016 as a way to regulate the use and sale of drugs. However, due to high demand for pain medications, drug firms have been created fuel the problem of substance abuse. Public health initiatives include creating methods to regulate substance abuse that people trust rather than feel like it impedes on their culture, work with local health care providers to further, mo further, further promote trust between locals and outside agencies and combine medical and mental facilities to lessen the stigma of receiving treatment for mental issues. Appalachian people have greatly benefited from the recent adoption of medical and psychological treatments based on evidence. An important organization in being one step closer to ending the opioid crisis is the Community Reinforcement Approach, otherwise known as the CRA. The CRA allocates services to treat patients in a way where they don't feel their culture is threatened or feel a stigma when coming to the clinic for treatment. Another opportunity to help improve the opioid crisis is telehealth or telemedicine. Distance learning and telemedicine make up a telemedicine network that helps people in rural areas get treated for their addictions or mental health issues. This network provides methods to cure people in the Appalachia region of their opioid addictions. Public health intervention can help combat the opioid problem and lead to a solution in the future. As you can see, this issue is of a massive caliber and only a large-scale implementation of many different solutions can lead to this crisis resolving. Looking at the socioeconomic factors present in the region, such as increasing unemployment, high-risk jobs, increasing levels of poverty, increasing rates of mental issues, as well as increasing addiction, being multi-generational, are leading to almost a perfect storm of conditions for this crisis to take place. It is, without a doubt, a threat to their existence, and the importance of fixing this cannot be overstated. As Kathy Tran said, opioid addiction affects a large number of people she sees and malignant doctors, insurance agencies, and pharmaceutical companies are largely to blame for these problems as well. However, the seven-day limit recently passed by, the Georgia's, by Georgia's legislator will reduce the overprescription of these deadly yet necessary drugs. In her opinion, in order to further prevent these problems, a holistic approach to healthcare must be taken, focusing on the underlying problems of the pain being caused. Despite the socioeconomic challenges like increased distance from care facilities, the increase in high-risk jobs, and the pharmaceutical industries profiting off of this pain, many solutions and interventions are taking place to reduce the effects of this crisis. We are currently creating solutions that people trust, as well as undergoing a community reinforcement approach in which patients are treated in culturally applicable ways and stigmatization is decreased. Telehealth is also being used to keep patients in regular contact with their doctors so they may be able to monitor opioid use and recognize early abuse signs. Overall, this is an extremely difficult problem to find a solution to, otherwise a solution would have already been found. But by bringing attention to the severity of this issue, by addressing the causes and complications of this crisis, and by implementing a more holistic and multifaceted solution to this problem, it is possible that it might one day exist only in history. So thank you all very much for listening to this podcast, and a very special thank you to my sister Kathy Tran for her enormous help in providing us with an interview. Have a great day.